Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Crossroads. We're so excited to have everybody here. You guys ready to have some fun in the jam out for Jesus? Yeah. Bob's ready. Anybody else ready? Yes. All right. I certainly am ready. I'll go ahead and pray and we'll, we'll get into it. Jesus, I just thank you, Lord, for this beautiful, amazing, blessed morning. I thank you, God, for this awesome community of people, Lord, and just for every heart that's here this morning. I pray, Lord, that this is just a blessed time for them, God, and I just thank you, God, that you meet us right where we're at, Lord. We love you so much. Amen.
in your family and all the different things you're going through on the inside and all around you we just want to take a moment to make like an altar for our heart to the Lord where we say Jesus we trust you Jesus we lay everything at your feet so right now I just want to invite you you could just be right where you are in your seat or if you want to come up here, you can come up here and kneel or stand. Just as an act of faith of saying, Lord, I want to put all of my trust in you with this difficult circumstance, with this diagnosis, with this broken relationship. And I just feel like the Lord is saying today over his people, over every person, he made every person because he loves every person that he is here, he is with you to heal brokenness, to heal broken relationships, broken bodies, broken hearts. And so whatever you're going through, or maybe it's on behalf of a loved one, can we just take like two minutes and let's just bring it before Jesus. You're welcome to come up or you can stay where you are. You can put your hands out as just a sign of surrender. Or you can just sit quiet. Jesus, you're the healer. Jesus, you're the builder of broken things. Oh, Lord, just like you are a master builder on the earth, you are a craftsman, you are a carpenter. What a beautiful picture of how you build us, God. And you make us new. You take broken pieces and you make them better than they were before they were broken. I just feel like the Lord's here to heal bodies of sickness. Jesus, you heal the broken heart, the broken body, the broken family. You come to heal us. Thank you, Jesus. You've come to heal us. Yeah, and just for one more minute now, if you wanna if you wanna feel bold or you feel like your heart is really getting stirred and you just wanna raise your hand if you need prayer, I just wanna give an opportunity. Just just right where you are, if you see somebody with their hand raised, just ask them if it's okay to put your hand on them and pray over them, please. And just ask them politely if that's okay. Raise your hand high. Please, once you know Jesus. Just ask them if it's okay to put your hand on their shoulder. Just pray over them. Yeah, I see somebody here. Just ask if you can just put your hand on their shoulder and pray over them. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, you're our healer. You're our builder. You're our father. You're our friend. You're our doctor. You're our counselor. You make all things new. 
You make all things new. There's nothing you can't do, Jesus. You make all things new. You make all things new. You make all things new. There is nothing you can't do. Can we sing that out? You make all things new. You make all things new. You make all things new. There is nothing you can't do, King Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You can feel free to keep praying. Thank you, Lord.
you but sometimes I forget what it's all about 
I get distracted and I think it's maybe all about me sometimes. I have those moments. I don't know if you do. As you, as you have a seat, I want to share with you kind of a daily routine I have in my life. I get all my stuff together. I kiss my son and my daughter and my wife goodbye and I get in my car. And then I realize I forgot something. So then I go back into the house and everybody, of course, goes, what is it this time? Because this is a daily thing. And it's always something different. Um, and so I find whatever it is, then I get back in my car and start driving away. And before I can get to the end of the road, my wife calls me and I just wait for it. And, uh, and it's right when I put on my playlist and that gets interrupted. And, and then she shares with me something she forgot to ask me or she forgot to tell me. And I was thinking, I was like, oh my gosh, we are so forgetful. And every year I read through the Bible from beginning to end. I pick a plan on Bible.com, and it takes me from Genesis to Revelation. And a big theme I see throughout the entire thing is how much everybody forgets what God has done for them. And so if you read the Bible and you're like, man, why does God want them to do these rituals? And why does he ask them to do these purity things? And why do they do these sacrifices? It's all a way to remind people of God. It's a way to kind of gather our attention. Like, so he would be like, I want you to do a peace offering. Okay, what's that for? To remind you that you have peace with God. Because they forget, because they would mess up and they would begin to think, well, maybe I don't have peace with God. Maybe God is angry. Maybe he hates me. So he's like, why don't you do a peace offering every now and then? So you'll remember that you have peace with me because we are forgetful people. So when we gather here on a Sunday, the reason why the first Christians gather on a Sunday was because Jesus resurrected on a Sunday and they wanted to remember that. That was significant. Like we should do something big on this day, like every week to remember what happened on this day. And so that's why we gather. That's why we sing songs to remember that he's good. That's why we preach messages so we can be reminded of his word and the significance it has in our lives. And that's why we, we tithe. Because it's a reminder of all that God has given us. So we receive a tithe every week because it's a reminder. It's a reminder. Every religious ritual that we do is a reminder of what God has done. And he's so, he has been so generous with us. So as we receive our tithe, I want to pray that we would be reminded that everything we have is a gift from him. So God, I just want to say thank you for your generosity. I want to thank you that here at Crossroads that you have planted seeds of generosity in every heart and that our people are generous. They're loving on their neighbors and their coworkers and their classmates and, and one another. And Lord, as we give today of our tithe, we just want to say thank you that you gave first to us when you sent us your son. We were unworthy of it, but being worthy of it had nothing to do with it. That misses the point. It was an act of grace. It was something we did not deserve. It wasn't fair that you died for our sins, but God, that was your plan, and we are thankful for it. So Lord, with our tithe today, we give of that to you. We are thankful for everything you give to us. Help us to remember in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you're new to Crossroads, there's many ways you can give. You can click give on the app or website. You can, uh, we have a tithe box in the very back of this room uh, is another way you can uh, give or you can text to give, uh, which is awesome. So we want to thank you for your generosity. And so in just a minute, we're going to ask you to do something that you may love or may be uncomfortable with, and that is taking time to turn and uh, meet someone and say hello and greet them.
And while we greet one another, we're going to dismiss our nursery through sixth grades to their classrooms downstairs. Would you please stand with me and take a minute to greet someone near you? Thank you so much. Okay, thank you guys for taking time to do that. Go ahead and make your way back to your seat. We're going to get started here. You guys are awesome. If you're not a people person, thanks for just enduring that with us. We appreciate it. Come on in. Come on in. Have a seat. Bring your drink. Bring your friend with you. Come on in. Welcome, everybody. Hey guys, my name is Adam. If we've not had the pleasure of meeting, I'm so thankful that you're here. And uh, we have a, a digital connection card you could fill out if you're brand new. 
and you would like to connect with us, maybe you have some questions um, about our church that we could answer, we would love to connect with you. So you can uh, uh, go to our app or website uh, or scan that QR code and uh, you can uh, fill out a connection card. Let us know you were here. Let us know how we can help you. So here's a way you can help kids right here in our local community. Uh, Brooke Morley, who's our local Go Group leader, has been in contact with our school districts, and they have shared with us that the need for school supplies has never been higher than this year. They were telling her it's been a long time since they've had so many families um, request help for stuff for their kids. So here's a way Crossroads can love uh, kids right here in our local community um, by buying them their school supplies. So if you go to our website and you click events on our app or website, um, you will see a full complete list of the items that are needed and you can begin donating them. You can bring them with you when you come to church on a Sunday. We have a bin outside of our doors. So if you just want to drive by and drop them off, you can do that or you can come by during our office hours. But if you want to take a picture of that with your phone so you remember it, you can do that. We'll also send an email to you and it'll go right to your spam and you won't see it. So play, take a picture or do something and uh, that'll be probably more effective. So uh, we appreciate how generous you guys are and we're so excited that you're here as we launch our brand new series. And I welcome up our Ogden campus pastor, Crystal Zayden. We please welcome her. Thank you, friend. Good morning, everybody. <laughs> I uh, often facilitate different groups and classes and that type of thing. And a question I sometimes ask the people that's in a group that I am facilitating is, how are you doing on a scale of 1 to 10? So 1 being, mm, can't get much lower or worse than I am right now. And 10 being, Everything is going my way. You know what I mean? It couldn't be better. And so I'm just going to be really open and uh, transparent and raw with you guys this morning. I'm probably between a five and a six today. Um, yeah, this uh, Thursday night, my mother-in-law passed away. Um, and she was 93. Uh, she had just celebrated her 93rd birthday on July 14th. And she had lots of our family around her. My husband and I were able to FaceTime in along with a couple other um, family members that live far away because she lives, um, lived in North Dakota. So um, were we expecting this. Yes. Yes. She had been put into, moved into a facility in the middle of May. Um, she'd been in decline. She'd been ill for some time. Uh, two Thanksgivings ago, my husband and I were with her and took her to a doctor's appointment. And we heard a lot of, you know, not unexpected, but, but bad news at that appointment. But as my brother-in-law yesterday said when he called me, it doesn't matter how ready you are for something like that. Um, it's still painful, right? Like, it still hurts. Um, and it still creates this sort of chaotic 
interrupting moment in your life that you then start to navigate from us finding plane tickets for Nathan and Megan and I to leave and my husband's on the road to North Dakota. He'll be there this afternoon and, um, you know, all the things that come alongside of it. My husband's family, all his siblings now don't have a parent alive. So that's kind of a, a different phase of life that leaves a void as well. So there's many parts of it that are painful as we lean into the pain, but also have hearts of gratitude that she's no longer suffering and she's with the Lord. But pain is, pain is part of the human experience, isn't it? Yeah. And it's in our human nature to resist pain, to ignore it, to numb it, to avoid it, to defend it, to run from it, to cover it up. But Jesus came so that we could be made well. So we could have life and not just a so-so life, but life abundant. However, one thing he will never do is force healing upon us. He will always extend an invitation to face the pain, to feel it completely, and ultimately give it to him so that we can be healed. I know that many of you are not here today experiencing the loss of a loved one, but maybe you have experienced the loss of a loved one, and it was some time ago, and you're still carrying around that wound. It doesn't matter your age. You can be 14 years old or 84 years old. It doesn't matter your demographic or your background. You have wounds. Some of you may be dealing with the wound of divorced parents, and it may not even be fresh, but it's still really tender and sore today. Some of you have maybe walked through the loss of a friendship or the betrayal of a friendship, and you don't even know what happened. You just know that there was something really special and important to you, and no longer does it seem to be special and important to them. There is the fierce, fiery, searing pain of abuse. And we know this can come in many, many forms, but seems to always come from someone we trust. There is the pain of living with addiction, either your own addiction or someone you love. There's the pain of rejection. Rejection of a spouse, of a friend, of a parent, how about the rejection of a child? That wound can hurt deeply, and it affects every relationship we have. And here's the thing about these wounds. We are so terrified of them happening again that we keep people at a distance. We put walls up. We hurt others before they have a chance to hurt us. 
we shield these wounds and protect them and hide them. And dare I say, sometimes we nurse them. They are open. They're not healed. They're festering to various degrees. And sometimes we don't even know that they are still there until someone says or does that thing and we react or respond in a way that surprises or shocks us and that wound throbs or hurts. It feels very exposed. And friends, these are just a few examples of some of the wounds that we carry and how they're impacting us in our day-to-day lives. I want to invite each and every one of you to go on a journey with us over the next few weeks. We're going to take a journey into a series called Made Well. And the question that we're going to be asking each and every one of you over the next few weeks is this. Do you want to be made well? Will you pray with me? Father God, we come before you so grateful for the fact, Lord, I guess the thing I'm most grateful for this morning is how you love to get in our business. You have no desire to leave the status quo. You are more than willing to dig in. Dig into every part of us. So God, give us ears to listen. Give us hearts, even though they're tender, God, open and ready. Lord, give us eyes to see the truth as we look in the mirror. And God, I pray that each person would focus on themselves this morning, not their husband, not their wife, not their neighbor. This message is for them individually. It's for each one of us. So God, as we go on this journey, lead us, guide us, talk to us. But Lord, we don't want to remain the same. Change us. In your mighty name we pray, amen. So do you want to be made well? All right, I'm hearing some amens. We'll see, we'll see. (laughs) It's a fair question, isn't it? It's a fair question. We talk about these wounds that for so many of us have actually become a part of us. And not everybody wants to be made well. I think we think we do. Like we really are like, oh yeah, yeah, I, I, I want to be made well. But then we grow into this place where we're reluctant to leave the familiar and explore possibilities for a better life. And it is difficult to force healing onto a person who is comfortable with the way things are, right? We get used to living with this aftermath of wounding that's happened to our hearts, And in turn, as I mentioned before, it affects every single area of our life. And even if we don't see it, we can find ourselves living in a way that we feed the pain 
we buy into the lies and rather than the possibility of opening up and letting the healing flow through us. But if we're not willing to face our wound, can we even become capable, or sorry, if we're not willing to face the wound, we're even capable of building a small idol to our brokenness. It's true. We can start to believe the lie that victory and wholeness just won't come. That breakthrough just isn't for us. That this is simply as good as it's going to get. This is the way I am. This is just who we are in our family. And then a year goes by with that pain and that wound. And then another year goes by with that pain and that wound. And then another year goes by. But aren't you sick and tired of being sick and tired? There's a story that in the Bible that we're going to take a look at. We're going to spend um, quite a bit of time on it today. And it's going to be the backdrop for this entire series that we're going to be in. And it's an incredible story. Um, I'm, going to, I'm just going to paint a picture of what was happening before we get into the scripture. On the Jewish calendar, there were three feasts that people would go back to Jerusalem for. And in this particular story, commentators think the feast that Jesus had gone back to was the Feast of the Tabernacles. In the stories found in the book of John, and from his description, the Apostle John is telling us that the pool in Bethsaida is going to be Jesus' first stop in Jerusalem. And we'll see that this pool is not a place that healthy people would normally go to visit. In fact, Bethsaida means house of mercy. But some manuscripts use the name Bethsatha, which means house of the olive. And this pool that Jesus is going to is located by the sheep's gate. And that gate is only mentioned four times in the Bible, here in the book of John, and then three times in the book of Nehemiah. It's a gate that is near the temple area, which is used to bring in sheep and oxen as temple sacrifices during the temple services. There are five porticos, which were porches. And they were probably covered, providing some protection for the people that were there from the elements, such as sun and rain. And the people would come in through the sheep's gate, and the pool was divided in two. One half was for washing the sheep, that would later be used for the sacrifice. And the other half was where the people would be. Now the Bible says that around the pool were the five porches. And the word in lots of translations that was used is that there were a multitude of people. A multitude. They were all congregated around these five porches and once in a while, as legend would say, a spring would come up. And the legend said that what the people believed is angels' wings would stir 
the water. And if someone was in the right place at the right time, then the water would touch them. And their prayer is, when the water would touch them, they would be healed. Because these people were blind, they were lame, they were paralyzed. And this happened so rarely that they would be waiting. Maybe today's the day. Maybe this is my time. Maybe. Maybe. So we pick up in John 5, 1 through 5. And this is what it says. Afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city near the Sheep Gate was the Pool of Bethesda, with five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on the porches. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, would you like to get well? I can't, sir, the sick man said, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. It's fascinating how our own can be seen in this man lying by the pool for so many years. Our heart pain can bring us right to the edge of healing. But because it seems impossible to us to be made well, we often just set up camp for ourselves on the edge of healing. And the truth is, we get comfortable on our mat. I think... that if we're being honest with ourselves, what we really want is for Jesus to come sit next to us on our mat, right? We want him to maybe rub our back and tell us, there, there, it's gonna be okay. It's all right, it's okay. Tell me about it. Tell me about what's been happening the last 38 years. How you been doing? How you feeling? Maybe even what we want is we want him to bring us a really good pillow and a blanket, right? And then we just want him to tuck us in on the mat and rub our head and tell us it's okay. But friends, I don't find that Jesus in the Bible. I don't see him in there like that. I don't know if any of you are doing the 40-day fast and prayer time, but a few of us are doing a reading plan in the Bible, we're doing the New Testament in 40 days. And so we've been in the Gospels, and right now we're in Luke. 
And it's fascinating to hear the stories back to back to back to back. I mostly find feisty Jesus. That's who I hear when I read the Gospels. And, and please hear me. I'm not saying Jesus isn't compassionate. There's no one more compassionate in the Bible than Jesus. But I find King Jesus. I find firm Jesus. I find someone that did not come to tuck us in but to call us out. That's who my Jesus is. He came, what did I say at the beginning? That we would have life? Not life on a mat. Life abundant. Life abundant. Because the truth is, he knows that the pain we refuse to recognize will keep us sick. I'm going to let that sink in for a minute. The pain we refuse to recognize will keep us sick. Jesus chose to go to this pool. He did not have to. It did not sneak up on him. It didn't like, he didn't just stumble upon it. He chose to go there. He knew what he was doing. He was going to this pool the same way he went to the well. Jesus moves toward need. This is who he is. And a man was there who had been sick for 38 years, four decades of his life. Four decades. And when Jesus saw him lying there, he knew his entire circumstance. How many of you know that when you know Jesus, this is who he is? A person who knows you perfectly, who knows Everything about you, every word you've ever said, every thought you've ever had, every moment you've ever lived through, everything you've ever done. I think so many of us feel alone in our suffering and in our pain, and we feel like no one could ever understand what it has felt like to live through what I have lived through. I am here to tell you today that Jesus looks at you And he looks at me, and he knows. He knows. Then Jesus, he asked this man, would you like to get well? What? Jesus, of course he does. He's been sick for 38 years. Of course he wants to get well. Hello? But this man, he doesn't respond with a resounding yes, does he? He starts to lay it all out for Jesus. He says, I can't, sir, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. Don't we do the same thing? I can't. My husband won't go to counseling with me. I can't. They keep doing the same thing. I can't. I'll, I'll just get 
hurt again. I can't. All churches are the same. I can't. It won't make a difference. I can't. My parents don't understand me. I can't. It's their fault. Why try? What's the point? Excuses run rampant. Victim mentality has started to overtake our world to the point we don't even recognize it. But when I read the word, we're meant to be victors. We already have the victory. Our, gro our world's grown to look a lot like Bethsaida. Even our churches can start to look like the pools if we're not careful. A lot of us like to congregate, maybe not at church or around Jesus, but we like to congregate around our issues. We'll even congregate online, right, with hashtags. And what starts to happen is we're laying on our backs hoping and wishing, wishing that word a church was for us that Lauren gave, wishing that that song was meant for me too, wishing there was a word from the sermon. But we come in with our wound and we leave with it. And the scariest part about that is it starts to become our identity if we're not careful. It's how people start to describe themselves. And hear me when I say this. I know a lot of us, we just had a message about this. We struggle with anxiety. We struggle with depression. We struggle with so many things. And those things may be something that we struggle with, but they're not who we are. That's not our identity. We forget our name, chosen, beloved, daughter, son, redeemed, forgiven, child, victor. I know that this is, that it is painful to keep hoping for a healing and a breakthrough. I get it. When the healing doesn't come when we thought it would, when the marriage doesn't appear to be getting better the way we thought it would, when our dream feels so far off because there's another door that is closed. But if we're not careful, we'll start to abandon our hope because we start to live in our fear instead of our faith. What if? What if I really believe? What if? And so then what happens is we start to make peace with our brokenness. And then, and then if we're not careful, because we've made peace with the brokenness, we start to curl up on our mat of unforgiveness or shame or bitterness. And we don't move. We just lay there 
please hear me. I am not saying your pain is not valid. I am not saying what you have gone through or what you are living in right here today is not full of hurt and deep suffering. That is real. What I am saying, if you get something today, get this. What Jesus did for you is greater than anything that has happened to you. What Jesus did for you is greater than anything you are living in today. We live in a broken, fallen world, but Jesus says we can be made well. We have to acknowledge and recognize our wound. So how do we identify it? How do we know what that wound is? Because, you see, the wound isn't that you were bitter. It's why are you bitter? Why are you bitter? When I was a young mom and I found myself, like, reacting quickly and yelling or getting angry, like, over the littlest thing, I got to a place where I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. I was tired of that reaction rising up in me. So I did a couple things. I read some books. There was a great book. I'm probably going to get the title wrong. I think it's, it came from within. Um, but it talked about like these feelings and emotions that come out from inside of you. And I realized that it was stemming from an insecurity that I had as a mother. And you know what happened? I got healed from it. That's now a scar. Once in a while, I'll start to feel a little twinge of something. But it's nothing, nothing like what it was before. But it took some digging to figure out what that wound was and why I was reacting the way that I did. There's books. I had a friend recently ask me, Crystal, do you think people are still weird about going to counseling? Don't they realize like, that that's actually a good thing now? I said, oh, <laughs> no, no, no. People think counseling's amazing for other people. they're not so excited to go for themselves. And he was like, no, you're kidding, right? I'm like, no, no, that's real. You guys, we have counselors and therapists for a reason. God gave us these people. And if you don't like yours, do you know you can find a different one? And thanks to COVID, we now have online counseling centers. You can do it from the convenience of your own home. So there's books, there's counselings, there's deep friendship. There's picking up the phone and apologizing. There's having a conversation that you've decided already how the conversation's going to go, but it may not go that way at all. I know that oftentimes the hurt and the wound you have is not your fault. And you know what? Sometimes it is. 
But here's the thing. The response is the same. Jesus came to make you well. He is bigger than anything that you're living in or you have gone through. There's a reason there's a saying called hurt people hurt people. When I'm living in a place from a wound, I'm the first one to injure my husband. And it has nothing to do with him. It has everything to do with the wound that I've been carrying around. Do you know that healed people can help heal people? When you come from a place of healing and wholeness, do you know you can help facilitate healing and wholeness in others? That is a real thing. I have a friend. She has a very hard story. Very, very hard. She's lived through stuff that no one would ever want to live through. And for a long time, she was that person whose identity was the issue. She went to every healing type of situation, every prayer meeting, every class, and that was what she talked about. That was what consumed most of her conversation. And then she made a decision to get well and get whole. And she went to a class, and she was like, going to pull that story up. And the Lord was like, what are you doing? We're done with that. You're healed. You have a scar. You no longer have a festering wound. And if you, well, many of you do know this person, but the way she facilitates healing in other people now, the way God has taken her story to redeem it and help others is one of the most exquisite things you've ever seen in your life. That's what happens when you get whole. Jesus does not change our circumstances. He changes us. He changes us. So Dave and I and the kids will head off and we'll be in family dynamics for a week. And it will be beautiful and it will be fascinating because my husband's family dynamics are probably a lot like your family dynamics. Weird, right? <laughs> and different and, you know, depending when what mixture of people gets together. But here's what's so true. There's a saying from the Emotionally Healthy Leader class that Jesus might be in your heart, but grandpa's in your bones. And that's true, right? Like our family is in our bones. But my husband is not the same man I married 15 years ago. And I'm not the same woman that he married 15 years ago. And my husband gets to usher in Jesus to the family dynamics. And it's going to be a beautiful thing to participate in and to watch because he has a lot of healing and wholeness. Because we need to be well, not just for ourselves, but for those coming behind us, for those we love and care about. We have the possibility to change our family trees. Everything that's true about your family today 
doesn't have to ring true for the generations coming behind. But we have to get up off our mat. So do you want to accept the responsibility that comes with healing? We have a choice. He always gives us a choice. The pain we refuse to recognize will keep us sick. That's going to require taking a good long look in the mirror. Jesus said in five, Luke 5.31, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Nothing's going to erase your memories, but you have a choice to recover. And Jesus promises he will set you free. He tells us that there is a life beyond our past, beyond the hurt, do you want to be free? Do you want to be made well? The degree to which you're willing to face the pain of recovery is the degree to which you will recover. We're going to give all of you an opportunity to take a next step. I'm sure you're aware that we have the Wellness Center at Crossroads now. And every week we're going to be offering a class after each message. And my encouragement is that you would go to all three. But if you only want to go to one, go to one. But my encouragement to you, especially if you're sitting here today and you're going, I know I have something, but I don't know what that wound is. Or I don't know where that came from or I don't know what to do with it entirely, is to sign up and take the first class, which is recognizing a wound. This is how you get up off the mat, you guys. This is how you do it. I'm going to invite Lauren back up, and I'm going to read and we're going to pray and I'm going to have our prayer teams come up. My anticipation is that there's going to be lines for the prayer team today because I'm praying that you let God get into your business today. That abundant life is yours for the taking. Do you know you can stay on the mat forever and go to heaven? You can love Jesus and stay on the mat. But why would you do that? There are people to love and serve and care for. There is an aching, hurting world right, right outside those doors there's an aching, hurting world right inside this room. You can be so much more effective for the kingdom when you get up off the mat and walk into healing. The Holy Spirit of God was upon the Lord Jesus Christ, who was sent by the Father to bring good news to those who were afflicted. He came to bind up the brokenhearted, 
proclaim liberty to captives, to declare freedom to prisoners, and to pour out the Lord's favor on all who trust him. Jesus came to comfort all who mourn and to adorn each one with a glorious garland of beauty instead of ashes. He came to offer the oil of gladness to those who are mourning and to clothe them in a mantle of praise instead of being covered in a spirit of fainting. Jesus came so that God would be exalted and his name would be praised and glorified. Father God, there are many that need your healing hand upon their lives. Thank you that you came to heal the brokenhearted and to set the captives free from their bondage of sin. Father, I pray that many would recognize their brokenness and diseased lives and admit their need of your touch upon their lives. Thank you that Christ died to pay the terrible price for our sin and that through his blood we are healed and made whole. Would you use us to share this good news with every person we come in contact with? We pray this in Jesus' name. I'm gonna invite the prayer teams to come up and if you need prayer, please come. If you wanna sit and have a moment with the Lord, please do. I wanna encourage you to come back each week in this series. Love you guys. See you. 